where you're an indie comic person, you're not on like the big two schedule or even the image schedule where you're like, you need to get out, you know, right away, you know, once a month. You can take your time, you can get it done, get it done a reasonable amount of time, get it done on budget. For many of us, as a kid, thumbing through a comic book could transport us to other worlds, flying through the universe at the speed of light. Watching immortal enemies battling to the death. And some of us never grew out of it. Welcome to the Under the Mask podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror, Thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 15. What do the historical figures Harry Houdini, Thomas Edison, and J.P. Morgan have in common? We're going to find out in this episode. My guest today is a comic writer and creator who's based out of New York. His book, American Dreams, is a superhero story with a twist. It's set in the early 20th century during Americans' Gilded Age. The third issue is live on Kickstarter now. You can pick it up at bit.ly slash ks. That's bit.ly slash American Dreams KS. I'd like to introduce Daniel Colbin. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Thank you for having me. So, Daniel, like I do with all my guests, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? And tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm a comic writer. I also, that's like my thing. I also work at a law firm by day. So, that's what helps pay for the projects. And American Dreams is about a young immigrant in 1900 New York City who gets powers from a Thomas Edison experiment that goes horribly wrong and he has to basically figure out what he's got to do with these powers for good or for ill and for what consequences might happen. How long have you been writing comic books for? Well, I, comic books professionally, I've been doing this like 2017, 2018 or so. So what happened was 2010, there was a huge blizzard. I was still in college and there was this, this huge blizzard that hit New York. Not, it was bad here, worse up where my college was because my college was up in Buffalo. And so it was winter break and I'm trapped inside. And that, by that point, I had rediscovered comicsology and my love of comics. And I'm like, you know, I want to write a Superman film script because at the time I wanted to be a film director. And so I wrote a really overly long, like I think if, you, if I, cause I really wrote it in Microsoft Word and, and non-film 
standard, just to get down, it would be like over 300 pages of Superman script. I called it Superman the Man of Steel because this was before the film, that film was announced. And mm-hmm. um, that led me on to writing a Batman script and then a bunch of Batman scripts and then into fan comic scripts and fan stories. And ultimately, I just started writing some of my own fan, my own personal ideas for a comic. And I was actually talking, I was working with a friend on another comic and we were talking to a different publisher at the time. They're like, so Daniel, do you have anything else in the meantime? I'm like, I might have something. I was going through my various, I guess, indie ideas, and I stumbled upon this one. Stumbled upon what I had written called Modern Colossi, which was inspired one day when I was listening to the score of Ragtime. I'm like, oh, no, superheroes were in that time period. And they loved the idea. And they loved the first the script I wrote. And they're like, but well, we don't like the name. And I'm like, okay, let me brainstorm a new title. And I thought, I thought, I said, what about American Dreams? And they loved it. And then the behind the scenes things happened. It fell through. And so I was talking to Short Fuse, and I moved it over to Short Fuse. So and the original how- inspiration for American Dreams was just uh, sitting around to hearing some old ragtime music, and uh, so, uh, they, it's, a, it's a score to a show called Ragtime, which is based off the book by E.L. Uh, Doctorow. It's around the same time period. And for some reason, I was like, in a kind of like a napping days while listening to what's called the Symphonic Suite, which is a bonus track they included at the end of the, sound, of the soundtrack of various pieces of music from the show. In, just an orchestral form, no singing or whatnot. And for some reason, I had this really weird thought, what if there were superheroes at the dawn of the 20th century? And it just snowballed from there. Taking American Dreams from concept to full script and to eventually comic book, what were the biggest inspirations when you were writing it? Um, well, probably Golden Age comic. Even though it's still after about 30 years, um, a lot of history. I did a lot of research and a couple of books that around the same time period. Ragtime, obviously, by Dr. O, because it because it's same time period. It's said 1906 up to 1900. And at the, time, at the same time, as I was starting to write it, there was this mystery series on, I guess, it was originally on British TV, and then they moved it to Fox here in New York. And it was Houdini and Doyle, which was a short, like one season short summer sweeps series which I enjoyed and then there's the book because I did get the because I wrote this script before the TV show came out was The Alienist which I said somewhat earlier so it's all these little influences here and there but mainly it's mostly Golden Age comics in a weird way plus you know Civil Rage Marvel commentary so tell us about American Dreams okay so the main character is Jake Gold he's a Jewish immigrant who is on the Lower East Side his family had immigrated from Russia because of a, of a pogrom and they end up on the Lower East Side and he's you know working in a sweatshop by day he's fighting in a street gang by night against other street gangs of various ethnicities because everyone's trying to fight for their own little slice of territory because, you know, the American dream is turned to the American nightmare for them. Meanwhile, uptown, J.P. Morgan and Thomas Edison are having a meeting and Edison has this idea he stole from Nikola Tesla when he was an employee of Edison's, which is this device will take energy from the stars. It'll solve the upcoming energy crisis, a situation which Morgan's incredulous about because this is 1900. They don't think there's going to be an oil shortage in 100 plus years. But he, you know, says, I'll finance this you know, idea of yours. And that night, during a major fight, and, and there's two events going on. There's a gang brawl in Washington Square Park, and up further north, up in Central Park, Edison flips the switch. And something goes terribly, terribly wrong, and people are starting to get affected all over the place. And Jake is one of them. And he has to decide what he's going to do with his new abilities, especially when there's a couple calls to action in at least issue two and then issue three, which is going to send him on the path of being a hero. And there's going to be plenty of people, both fictional and historical, 
whether want to use it for their own means or be completely oppositional. And some do want to help. And Daniel, what made you decide to incorporate real life characters such as Thomas Edison into the story? Well, it helps, you know, show the world that we're living in. It's based off of history. It also gives us a nice, you know, chunk of characters as villains, as supporting characters. And this will just, you know, be co- comment on the time itself. I mean, one of our supporting, um, so really somewhat antagonistic characters is Emma Goldman, the infamous anarchist who, you know, is saying, you know, why are we sitting here laying the rich, just richer, and why do, where's our American dream? Where's our promise of a future where we can be in comfort and have our families be fed and happy and well off? And then you have, but you also look at their different historical characters and you have different avenues of which you can explore for stories. Like Houdini is a great way to explore the Jewish immigrant experience because he was like the Jewish immigrant success story of his time. And at the same time, you know, commenting on the theme of escape through his own acts. Yeah, that was one thing that I really liked about uh, American Dreams. I'm a, I'm a sucker for period pieces. I don't know if you've read Rough Riders done by Aftershock. It's a similar deal where it's, you know, Teddy Roosevelt and a bunch of other fictionalized versions of real people. American Dreams gave me kind of that, that sort of vibe. So American Dreams is published by Short Fuse Media. How did yep. you hook up with them? Well, I knew Sean somewhat peripherally when I was working with this other publisher. And then when the this, when I started, things were starting to fall through, I and a couple others were talking to him, ended up talking to him about moving our books over there in light of things starting to, you know, go a little pear-shaped over at the other publisher. And he liked the books, he liked the books, and we brought our books over. And I've been working with Sean ever since with bring American dreams out. Yeah. That's so nice to have someone, you know, and they start up something and say, Hey, you want to come along for it? Yeah. Like, in fact, there's a couple of people, was one other president who's talking to the other, me and the other person were like, let's do this and go over. I think I've met Sean a couple of times, but usually whenever I run into short fuse out in the wild, it's Mike Watson. Who I yeah, Mike's our, yeah. Mike's our publisher. And he's really like the public face of the company. He's really high energy. Yeah. Our, like when we were at Philadelphia, because you were with Philadelphia as well. Mm-hmm. And like he wanted, and I was getting like the final, sales of like the, I guess of the convention he's like he gets up and he starts running over to where my uh, who was uh, with Kat because I was sitting with Kat because we were sharing the table and he's like he's like Kat Kat and I'm like trying to run to catch up with him because he, cause he, cause he was like marching because he was in the same aisle just across like, diag- like farther off in diagonal and so I'm like he's like just marching down the uh, aisle so what has the reception been so far for American Dreams? So far it's been really good. It has really good reviews. It's a good reception and I know people have read it and loved it. I'm excited that you're on now to uh, issue three. Mm-hmm. Um, issue three is live now on Kickstarter. Uh, what's the future for American Dreams? Are you going to keep going on? Is this going to be an ongoing series? Or? Is, the idea is supposed to be an ongoing series. I have ideas for various arcs. In fact, what was supposed to be, like what my ideas for arc two is now been pushed back to arc three. And I was talking to my editors, we came up with a whole new arc two. Issue four is almost done being colored and lettered. Issue five script is done minus a few edits and we'll probably be going into production for that relatively soon. So it's definitely an ongoing idea and I have at least, you know, two or three arcs, at least two arcs planned. I have a few arcs I want to do down the line as well. But I have to get to that point historically in the timeline. How far ahead is the American Dreams pipeline versus when they come out? Like right now, issue three has come out, but you said you're already through coloring issue four. You know, are you already starting to work on five? 
five? Five is scripted. It just needs to go on the final edits, and then we can start into the pencil stage and inking stage for that. And I just wanted to focus on this because I wanted to remind my listeners, a lot of times you see that comic book, but there's so much work that goes into the process behind the scenes. Like uh, right now I'm working on, I think, uh, Kinetic. Kinetic number nine is just about to go to Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. But 10 is about halfway through the line art, and 11 is just about once we send it to get colored, we're going to start the line art for 11. So we're always a couple issues ahead. And I just want to see if you had a similar process. I try to be at least a couple issues ahead, but I don't want to, like, my idea is I don't want to get too far ahead where I'm just like going on and on and on and on. Point where I'm like, okay, I'm so far ahead and we haven't gotten to X point yet. And I can only pull and I can only fund my um, artists so much so fast, unfortunately. So like it takes, like a book takes me at least now a good six-ish months altogether at at most to put out um, from start to finish. I might be overestimating to be quite honest. But I do try to be at least an issue ahead. It just happened that as things were, as things have panned out, three was ready to go to Kickstarter, four was getting colored, and now it's mostly colored, and and the lettering template's already been done, and five is written. And issue six has been outlined. I know there's a huge arc I want to do that'd be that's had a major during a major moment in, Amer- in early 20th century history in, in 1901, and, and you know the story would be too often there. It's like scary to go. How do I get to that point without rushing to it or taking too long? Because I know it's going to be a huge historical moment because it's looking at a real big moment in history and just supposing a superhero event over it. Putting out American Dreams, what have been your biggest obstacles or challenges? Uh, just getting things, you know, done because I only make so much, you know, my work and I can only pay so much so fast. And then it's just, you know, get everything done and then waiting to see, you know, waiting for the final approval. And then getting it to either straight to Short Fuse Media Store, or we go straight to Kickstarter. And if there's, you know, other projects going on, I might have to wait. You, you never can tell. It's just, so it really ends up being more a financial hurdle more than anything else. With Short Fuse Media, obviously they have a pipeline of stuff that they're doing. How do you coordinate with them? Um, Sean is usually the one who would be, who would answer that better than I could because that's his department as operations director because he would know the schedule far more than I do. I mean, we do talk amongst each other and but that does help, I guess, within our own heads how we coordinate. But he's the one who ultimately makes the final decisions and, I, you know, we also want to get all the rewards out before we jump to the, you know, the next one and everything just so we're, we're not, you know, totally overwhelmed by two or three, you know, different people doing Kickstarters and then, you know, for, then Short Fuse having to fulfill like two or three Kickstarters all at once. Yeah, no, it's and it seemed from running one myself, it's so hard to run a Kickstarter to get all the rewards, everything together. And I can't imagine if you're doing two or three, you know, I do one periodically, but you know, I can't imagine doing the amount that they do. It seems. It's yeah, I can't either. Mind. And I'm really glad that, you know, they helped me fulfill the rewards and have my back and everything. Cause otherwise it'd be a logistical nightmare. <laughs> so what's the future for American dreams? Are there any uh, spinoffs coming? Uh, there are ideas. There are a couple ideas for spinoffs. There's a couple ideas for maybe a book set in our present. It's more nebulous right now. I'm just trying to at least get the first, because I don't want to even touch the two ideas for like spinoff minis until after Arc 2 is done because it'll relate to characters I might be introducing in Arc 2. In the process of making American Dreams, what's been the biggest mistake that you've made? Mm, that's a good question. Um, Writing-wise, it's like, I will, it's like me thinking, oh, this person historically would have been here at X time in X place, and then I will, you know, I have the script, I have it 
ground cold. This totally not really have more issue five. And like I check, I research like four or five months later because I'm you know still waiting for this to go into production. And I'm like, I got this horribly, horribly wrong. So I have to go rewrite the rewrite the entire scene. And thankfully it's not a scene we have to go, we're not in production yet. But at the same time, it's like I got because I had to rewrite this scene two or three times at least before I could get to a point where it's historically close to accurate because I'm still mm-hmm. you know funding history somewhat. But it's like it's one of those scenes where it's like because working historical things, these people have to be here at this time to make sense. Otherwise, I'll have a whole bunch of story and somehow breathing down my neck because some people can get really, really particular about accuracy. I was just going to ask to follow up on that. Writing a historical fiction, how do you balance wanting something to happen, you know, that's fictional versus, oh, well, they wouldn't be at that place at that time. It's like, I have to make approximate um, decisions of whether they would have been there or not, or whether they've been in the rough region. Because I know, I did some research and Houdini definitely was probably in New York or at least somewhere in the United States. In 1900, he probably wasn't at the Alhambra Theater, which is the theater I had to make up in 1900. But I do know that by the summer of 1900, he had gone on tour in Europe. So by the time Arc 2 or Arc 3 is, like, by the time Arc 2 is done, Arc 3 is beginning, he might not even be in that arc. So I have to think at least some stuff ahead saying, what do I, you know, be that accurate and, you know, take a pawn off the board or do I fudge it and have like a whole bunch of Houdini scholars go, he wouldn't be there at this time. If you could go back in time with the knowledge that you have now and change it so that it would make it easier on you or that uh, this whole process of putting out the first book would be easier, what would you change? That's a good question. Um, Probably would have liked to have gotten the Kickstarter for issue two done instead of just releasing it to the store just because of logistical reasons. Uh, but, you know, at this point, I can't really cry over spilt milk it's done, it's done. But it's like, it's another scene where it's like, it could have been a little bit easier on, I guess, because I probably would have had a little more funds to then work with issue three and get that done a little faster and everything. All right, Daniel. Well, go ahead real quick. Just humor me for a bit. Close your eyes. Uh, think back from when you first came up with the idea to American Dreams, everything that you've written as you've done it. What has been your best moment so far in your writing career? I think finally getting it published and then selling out my first ever convention of all 50 copies of American Dreams number one at Baltimore Comic Con. And I was like, wow, I can make it. This feels great. And I have never sold that many <laughs> in a single con. I might actually have more now, but there was like a point where it's like, is there a point where it's like, I sell, you sell 50 copies at your first con, you sell the entire box of stuff you bring. And you're like, yes, I can do this at every con. No. Yeah, I think uh, when you have a lot of success right out of the gate... I think it's tough because then you expect success every time. Yeah, it's like it's only really one convention I say I did badly at, and I think it was bad for everyone. How many conventions when you were doing them did you do a year? Um, well, I only did one in 2019, and I was like, kind of my I did Baltimore, which is like jumping into the deep end. Um, last year I did, let's see, I did good six or seven maybe cons, mostly in the New York, New Jersey area, mostly out on Long Island. I did like three cons out on Long Island. Um, and then I had one here in Brooklyn in, in January or February. And then I had at least three or four more at least planned. And then of course they all fell through. 
I was getting kind of freaked out because I'm a former asthmatic, so I'm like someone at risk. So I see this, you know, Boston canceled pretty quickly. So I'm like, and I'm like, oh, that's good. And I have to, and I can cancel my hotel pretty easily. And I can cancel, cancel my Amtrak and everything. And then it's like, wait a minute, I just caught out in Long Island and it still hasn't canceled yet. And they finally canceled, but it's like after several, you know, weeks of, um, are you canceling? Because this might not be the safest thing. And then they ended up canceling. It was at the Nassau Coliseum out on Long Island. And what's funny is it would have had to cancel anyways with or without COVID because the guys, the people who run and own, people who own the arena and run it for Nassau County put it up for sale. Yeah. So there would, probably would have been no convention there anyways. Starting out, what was the best advice that you received? That's a good question. Basically, I would say it's it's a marathon, not a, not, not a sprint, because you take time to get everything done. And where you're an indie comic person, you're not on like the big two schedule or even the image schedule, where you're like you need to get out, you know, right away, you know, once a month. You can take your time, you can get it done, get it done a reasonable amount of time, get it done on budget. It's don't like sprint, you know, just to get to the end, because otherwise you're gonna call out the rush product. Is there any other advice that you'd like to pass on or that you'd like to pass on to uh, people listening? Um, networking's good. Be kind to people's good. Um, I think Jim Lee once said, because I've watched his Twitch stream, I'm a member of his Discord, it's just draw. So my thing is just write. Even if it, even if you're not writing every day, when you find the time to write and you feel like you want to write, write. Just write. You don't have to do the X number of words per day kind of thing. But write something. Plot something. Do something. It's so simple, but so true. Yeah. And I think there's a, I don't know, I think a lot of people, they want to be famous writers, but they don't actually want to write to become famous writers. They, they want to like put out a book. Without yeah, actually so putting in the work. I will write the great American novel. Why, are you, why aren't you writing? I don't know. But I'm going to make the great American novel. And write it. Yeah. Take Nike. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel, American Dreams is live on Kickstarter right now. You can find it at bit.ly slash American Dreams KS. That's the website for it. Where else can we find you online? Uh, Facebook uh, with Daniel Calvin. Twitter at Daniel Calvin. On Facebook, you can also find the comic books fan page at American Dreams Comic. And on Instagram at, as D Calvin. All right. And we'll be sure to put all those links in the description below. Mm-hmm. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me, man. Thank you for having me. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, Drop us a line at underthemaskshow at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Under the Mask podcast with Bill Colomb. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you've found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off.